0: The Way to Glory is produced by CT Creative Studio in collaboration with Revelation Media and The Pilgrim's Progress. The movie, coming to theaters Easter weekend. For more information, keep listening or go to revelationmedia.com. A world away and still not far Like fabric woven into art's the dawn and shout out through the night, and day is coming soon. The journey of the Christian life is a precarious undertaking, full of setbacks, failures, and disappointments. John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress offers an unflinching look at the spiritual and emotional dangers we face along the way to the cross and eternal life in the celestial city. Each week on The Way to Glory, we've been following the story's protagonist, Christian, in another chapter on that journey. But today, we're taking a detour to speak with Steve Cleary, the filmmaker behind The Pilgrim's Progress, the movie. This is The Way to Glory, a Pilgrim's Progress podcast presented by CT Creative Studio and Revelation Media. Hi, I'm your host, Richard Clark. A little bit of a different episode today. We've spent the last several weeks mapping the characters and the plot of Pilgrim's Progress over the spiritual challenges and callings in our life. And when you're doing any creative project, it comes with its own twists and turns. The Way to Glory hasn't been an exception, really. I found myself not only appreciating this book as an individual Christian, but also relating to the pitfalls, surprises, and victories through the art of narrative myself, even with the medium of podcast rather than prose. Not everyone is creative professionally, but we're all made in the image of our creator God, and it's clear that even believers more inclined to appreciate straight nonfiction find a deep well of encouragement and hope in this allegory. Maybe no one has drawn for those waters more than Steve Cleary. A man who's carrying The Pilgrim's Progress, the movie, through a host of difficulties with the hopes of delivering it across the world, so others might find their way to the celestial city themselves. Steve has a long career as a filmmaker, and he actually founded Revelation Media in 2017 in order to join his passion for film and missions into one venture. When we spoke, I jumped right into our own decisions in framing The Pilgrim's Progress for a podcast audience, and was kind of fascinated by the similar choices he had to make as a filmmaker. Was there a specific moment that sort of inspired you to make this movie? It really was a dream way
1: beyond what we thought we could actually pull off. And it was actually the very day I was debating whether I should be doing this or quit before I get too deep into it. Somebody had handed me a letter from Richard Wombrand, and he talked about the importance of the book, and he approved the translation and printing of it to Russia, to the underground church in Russia when they were under communism. You know, I mean, here's a book that the underground church would risk imprisonment to print and distribute because it would be that encouraging to them. There is a family in China that's in prison right now because authorities walked into their house and started a copy of Pilgrim's Progress. And I said, it is the movie to do. That's not normal. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress is a legal book. In China, uh, in the universities, but this one village, they persecute Christians a lot, and they hate this book, both for America and for the mission field and for the underground church, for the persecuted Christians. It just translates so well to the world. The book is believed to be translated into 200 languages. So I have met people from all over the world, from many, many different countries who know this story and love this story. Christian has a burden and he's seeking to find the truth, really, and he's trying to set an example to save others, to reach the celestial city. And he has left his family. He cares about his family and he wants his family to follow. And we know this to be true in Bunyan's heart because in part two is his wife's journey, in Christiana. Obviously, you want your family to be saved. It's not some selfish thing when you're going to leave and you're going to try to gain glory. But what, what Christian has to learn is that every person has to decide for themselves. And it doesn't matter if it's your, if it's your spouse, if it's your children that are growing up, that's going to come to a point where they're going to have to decide which path they're going to walk on. We had a lot of early discussion about how we would handle that, how we would handle, um, Christian wanting to, to help his family and save his family. And on the other hand, he can't save his family. And I really think viewers are going to be happy with the way we handled it in the film. Uh, If we would have taken the whole book, obviously it would have been multiple hours and hours and hours uh, long. Um, And so at 100 minutes, we took the highlights of the book and we took the story. We definitely wanted to stay true to the book. This is not our story. We considered it anointed, blessed writing, classic writing. We wanted to be true to the story. We took a little liberties here and there, but how he journeys, you talk about the end, how he faces the end. I I think viewers are going to love it. And so we did, we did deal with it and we dealt with it in an honorable way that he wants his family to be saved. But ultimately it's their choice.
0: There's a lot of darkness in this book. Did that make it hard to make a film that was for families?
1: We don't see the film as dark, but the number one criticism by Christian families is that it's dark. I love veggie tales. My grandkids love veggie tales. I do not want them to understand Jonah and the difficulties that Jonah went through by watching the Jonah movie. I want to watch the Jonah movie to laugh. And so there's nothing wrong with going, taking a story and making it fun. But we did not choose to do that. We chose to be true to the story. John Bunyan wrote this in prison. He spent over 10 years in prison. What did he do? He wrote amazing works of literature. Pilgrim's Progress is just one of them. It's the one that became the most popular. But uh, he suffered and we benefited. So if we turn off suffering, if we turn off hardship, I have to ask, do we dishonor the author if we sugarcoat the message?
0: So on that note, I want to ask you a little bit about how you handle two characters from the movie. Okay. Giant Despair is a tough one.
1: You're right. It's a tough one. And, uh, we dealt with him. Obviously if you know the story, uh, giant despair, uh, cannot harm you. He, he makes your life so miserable that you want to harm yourself and he wants you to commit suicide. So he actually gives you the tools to kill yourself with. And I had, I dialogued with a parent who said, i I watched a piece of the film and you deal with suicide. Now, we don't use the word suicide, but we do deal with it. And she said, I will not let my child be exposed to that concept for the first time in a movie theater at your movie. And we said, we respect that. And it's why we it's rated PG, it's parental guidance. But we also did our research and we found out that at eight years old, every kid understands the concept of death and the, even the ability to take one's life. And more and more younger and younger people are facing depression. And it's all based on despair. The story of Pilgrim's Progress gives you this secret to eliminating despair and depression in your life. You know, it's giant despair, his wife dividends, and it's the castle, uh, the castle of despair. And so that was actually a scene that I enjoyed working through to make it a little bit more fun. Uh, we, we made Giant a fainting giant. So he gets completely stressed out and he faints. And his his wife, Diffidence, thinks she's beautiful, and she is just just ugly. I mean, we have had people tell us, you know, you gotta you you gotta cut her out. She's just too ugly. And we're like, no, you know, I mean, how how attractive is Despair? Yeah, she's ugly, but we made it we made it a little fun in that she thinks she's beautiful, uh, and in her eyes, she is. You know, she's beautiful, but Despair is ugly. And obviously, suicide is ugly. Uh, we, we have a castle. We have skulls. Yeah, it's, it is the real deal. And there is a part in the film that touches on that. What would happen if Christian uh, did not find hope? And so we know the secret to despair is hope. We know hope comes from God. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm really happy we included that. And it's the second hardest scene we had to deal with. And maybe I know where you're going with on the first one. And some and some people suggested we don't use it. Um, my friend Ray Comfort has done a lot of work on spread desp- on depression and suicide, and, and, and he's like, "I'm glad you kept despair in there because despair is a real enemy, you know, in our lives. And if we put our guard down, despair is there, and he's a giant, and his his goal is to kill you."
0: Yeah, I'm actually a little bit shocked that that it's in there to that extent, right? Like, I uh, I think I was assuming this would have been. a a more sanitized version of the story. The more I was producing the podcast and I was, uh, I was, I'm just like, you know, how much will the stuff we're talking about in the podcast itself, like the characters we're talking about, how much will it it align with what is in the film? But it's fascinating to me that, um, yeah, that you just, you decided to go there.
1: Yeah. We, and we actually picked a harder one too. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the team was like, you can't do that uh, if you know the story and you know what happens in Vanity Fair. So Vanity Fair is a very interesting aspect of, of uh, John Bunyan's work. And if you look at the world's eyes, vanity and decadence, it's really, it's, it's really what the world wants, right? Uh, much of the world says, I just want to be happy. I want to have nice things. I want to enjoy nice things. And so Vanity Fair is a you know, just everything that tempts the soul, it's it's a fair that go goes on forever and forever and forever. And Christian and faithful enter Vanity Fair and they have to, because Vanity Fair is on the way to the celestial city. So there's no way around it. You have to go through the fair. Well, when you get when you go through the fair, you have a choice. You can either decide not to partake in the fair or or you can decide to join the fair. But if you Choose not to participate, then you're disrupting the fair. If you disrupt the fair, you're guilty, uh, potentially punishable by death. And so that is a hard subject. It's one of the most important scenes to me, but it is a scene that uh, it is a scene that people early on did not want in the film. And it deals with martyrdom. It deals with yeah. persecution. And I know martyrs. I have met widows, and I have traveled to these countries. And there was no way I was going to leave that out. It's maybe American, some American Christians would say, I wish you would have left that out. But I can guarantee you uh, churches and Christians that face persecution will be thankful that we left right. it in.
0: The Way to Glory is produced in partnership with Revelation Media in anticipation of their upcoming film, The Pilgrim's Progress, coming to theaters Easter weekend. I spoke with Steve about his creative passion for The Pilgrim's Progress. But it was clear that his passion for multicultural evangelism was just as strong. What is it about Pilgrim's Progress that does make it so particularly useful for mission's work?
1: The allegory speaks to everybody. It's not a Western story, it's not Eastern, Asian, African. When I see the Pilgrim named Christian, his burden, his fear and temptations, that's me. Anybody in the world at any time in history can relate to that. We are in a city of destruction, and the only hope is a celestial city ruled by a good and noble king. And my son, who's uh, millennial age, was watching it with me, and he goes, Christian represent, does he represent me? Does he represent every Christian's life? I said, yeah, you got it. So much for 20 years of Sunday school, (laughs) but you got it now
0: to partner in their efforts in translation and distribution and to download a free animated Pilgrim's Progress ebook go to revelationmedia.com What about Apollyon? How do you uh, how do you treat Apollyon in the movie?
1: We did not shy away from the demons and Apollyon. We have been told that he's a scary, creepy creature. Apollyon has two forms in the movie. He he has the form of a man and he has the form of the beast. The man to me is actually more freaky than Apolly on the Beast. He's very cunning and he's like whispers in Christian's ear to why you have turned on your family. You have failed the king. He tries to tear down Christians' confidence and he has to put on the full armor of God and fight a battle that there's no way in the world in a human sense he could ever win. Where we did veer away from the book is we created supervisors and they're demons. They work for Apollyon and they kind of piece the story together. It came out really well. Uh, A lot of people that watch the film and are familiar with the story don't even realize we added those characters, but they do help. Uh, We use them for a little bit of comic relief and they are the demons that kind kind of like the screw tape letters. It gives you what's going on in the dark realm. You know what are they planning? What are they strategizing? They do not want Christian to reach the celestial city, and it was. Um, I think the fact that we have a polyon makes it the most makes it scary and dark. But we had to do it because I I don't I don't think the story's complete without it.
0: You mentioned a moment where you sort of were thinking about quitting. What what brought that on?
1: I mean, it was budget. Um, we. We started, uh, we started the film with a budget of $60,000 and we ended with 2.8 million. Um, So the gap between those two numbers was huge. And we literally, our team, our team members have cashed in retirements, have, have uh, taken out second mortgages on their house. We've had People generously donate. We've had foundations. We've had a small group of investors help us. So we've done Kickstarter campaigns. I mean, the money's come in from everywhere, uh, including our own. And, you know, we're still doing the final raise now to release in theaters on Easter. Uh, we do see the end in sight. It's fun to look at now, but I carried a really, really big burden for a long time. Uh, and I felt like giving up many, many times. And I say that completely, honestly, I I just, it's been a difficult path and I literally drew strength from the story itself.
0: Yeah. So, you know, money is one thing, but speaking of the story itself, like people love that story and anytime there's an adaptation, there's the risk of people not liking it. Was this something that haunted you at all?
1: No, no. I really think we got the story right. I really think the script is right. I'm proud of it. So what haunts me is, is I want the animation to be worthy of the story. You know, John Irwin will will sometimes sneak out of his own screening. Uh, he can't watch his own work, and I can tell you, I know exactly how that feels. Um, and I want to just, I usually just sink lower in the seat and hope nobody recognizes me. So yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna compare us to to Pixar, you know, there's plenty of there's plenty of criticism to be had, but what are we going to do? I mean, you know, we showed it to people overseas, and they're they're like got tears in their eyes, saying, "You're going to give us this film permissions." I mean, do we do we put the bar so high that we stop attempting to put a film out there? Um, so I don't know. It's a hard one. I mean, you're really on a. You can probably sense it's a difficult subject for me. Um, I don't like doing mediocre work, and, and the film is not mediocre, but the animation is. I mean, it just is. And my own team would be pounding me over the head if they could hear me. They'd tell me to stop saying that. Um, but I wish I could do it better. But I tell you, if somebody gave me $20 million and said, here, make a film exactly the way you want it, animated, I wouldn't do it. I would say, no. Nope. I said, I'll make four, just like Pilgrim's Progress. Because you want to know what? Because what's a B to you is an A plus to them. And they're the ones that deserve the content. You know, we, we probably made 40 movies in the U.S. before we make one for the mission field. Uh, I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see other people step up and, and make a high-quality film for the mission field. If you want to look at it, Jesus film is not a great live-action film. I mean, how many of us are sitting at the edge of our seats, you know, with, with the acting in Jesus film? But look what that film has done. I mean, it's impacted a billion billions of people. Um, but if you put it in American movie theaters, what would Rotten Tomatoes do with that film? You know, they'd probably give it a ten. Uh, the critics would come out everywhere and say, you know, it's horrible acting. Um, but I respect what they did. I respect what they did with it. Um, but I'm very, very proud of our script. I'm very proud of the of the way we've presented the characters, and and I'm very Proud of the fact that we have not sold out, meaning we still own our film and we still get to give it away for free every day. And we do. I was in contact with the Salvation Army this morning about how we can put a copy of it in every Salvation Army Center worldwide. Uh, We're going into uh, a school system in the Philippines. We're going on TV on Easter weekend in Iran, and we estimate six million viewers in Iran alone over Easter weekend. We're doing a tour in Cuba um, and we're I can we're going sending missionaries into Nepal uh, and through Christian uh, Hindu areas to show the film. They love animation and they love this film. And they're not the critics that are going to criticize, you know, uh, a running sequence in the animation that, you know, looks looks a little off because we didn't have the budget to to tweak that the way we would have liked to.
0: What do you think the potential is for the impact that this movie will have?
1: So for the American audience, I want to keep the story alive. I want to see generational impact. And I love seeing a grandparent and a parent and a grandkid sitting together watching the film. And I've seen that time and time again. And those are my favorite comments because the the five, six, seven year old grandkid is like, yeah, when he beat up those demons, you know, I love that part. Or, it was a little scary, I closed my eyes, and we get different comments from that age group. And the parents are always like, this is like the real Christian message. I mean, you're not sugarcoating anything here, are you? This is, this is like the real deal, because onion story is not an easy story. And then the grandparent is just smiling a mile wide. I mean, why wouldn't they be? Their kid and their grandkid, they see legacy. We love the generational aspect of keeping the story alive, being able to talk about the Christian life, the real Christian life, not the, not the, uh, I become a Christian and everything is fine now. Yeah, Uh, I just wait. I can live my life as happy as can be and then go to heaven. Now, the Christian life is a journey. It's a trial. It's filled with with uh glories it's filled with difficulties and i really think that's why this book has stood the test of time because it's not us being inspired by somebody else's story this is our story we are pilgrim we have a burden we have a book we need help we need we need to be freed of our burden and it's our story and when we drink it yeah.
0: Join me for another chapter of The Way to Glory next week. Subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are found. If you like the show, leave us a review. Information on how you can watch and support Revelation Media's upcoming movie, The Pilgrim's Progress, can be found at revelationmedia.com. This episode was written and produced by myself, Richard Clark, and Cray Allred. Theme music is Shadows of the Dawn by the Grey Havens, from their album, Ghost of a King. Additional music by The Grey Havens and Sweeps. And until that far, far.